This is the Mosaic Church Podcast. Mosaic Church is committed to making disciples that discover Christ, connect in Christian community, and serve others and the world. Hello, Mosaic Church. We're back from our worship time. I hope that your home meet and greet went really well. Hopefully, your coffee is as good as our church coffee and your Danish is as good as our Mosaic Danishes, which I doubt very much. Anyways, you can see right here next to us is our friends that you should recognize, Ross and Deanna. And I'm just going to ask you a really quick, easy question, Ross. How long have you been serving the Lord, or you came to know Jesus, and how long have you been part of Mosaic Church? Um, I grew up in the church, and but I think a, a part of my life where Jesus became Lord was senior year in high school. And um, I've been part of Mosaic Church since we came back from uh, Jordan, and that was uh, in 2015. So senior year, like in the beginning of your senior year or middle? It end? was right right before senior year started. And that's the same thing with me. That's awesome. I didn't know that. Well, dang, that's why we get along so well. <laughs> We're going to edit that part right there. Uh, <laughs> Deanna, tell us about yourself, how long you've been serving Jesus and... Uh, tell me, you know, we already know the four years, but tell me the names of your, your kids. All right, that. the names of my kids are Maya, who is five, and Kayla, who is three, and David, who is a year and a half. And I've been serving the Lord since I could remember, just like Maya, I sang in the choir of my church. My parents um, pastor at church, so I grew up as a children's pastor. And, um, uh, yeah. So... You were, your dad was a, a children's pastor? Mm-hmm. Okay, and so and you grew up in the too. church there. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's neat. Uh, ¿A dónde? En Colombia. En Colombia. Gloria a Dios. South Carolina. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was funny. <laughs> wow. Hey, so uh, I just want to let our church people know that um, you guys are awesome people, and we're glad you're here. Hey, I just want to transition into... Um, a sermon that I preached many years ago, and I think it's really important for us to, to just revisit it, and because it's something that I need to revisit in my life continually. And so I know that in our small groups, our Bible studies that you should be a part of, it's really simple on the internet, um, and then, but we've been talking about uh, repentance and, and sorrow for our sins, and so I just really want to revisit the the uh, Beatitudes. And so if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to uh, Matthew chapter 5. But I was reading a blog from a friend of mine, not a friend, somebody I like a lot and I I read a lot from his stuff. And he shares this story that's really interesting. He goes to prison and he says this, that he's struck by how the Bible sounds to people who are in prison. And it's very different, and I can understand that. Uh, And so when he was talking about the Beatitudes, he wanted to know what they thought. And so he said, who is blessed inside the prison? And he says that the prisoners were a little cautious in answering. And so he said again, who is blessed inside the prison? And so finally someone yelled out to him as the teacher. He says, uh, the one that's tough. He's the one that's blessed. And so, or the violent. And so then began, people just started talking about who gets ahead 
in prison. So when they said blessed, they were thinking like, who's really ahead? And so they said the thief gets ahead, the liar gets ahead, the manipulator gets ahead, the hypocrite gets ahead, the wealthy. And he writes here that uh, there's this underground economy that's going on in the prison. And he says the strong, these were what they were saying. And I, I found that to be incredibly interesting that that's how they would think from prisoners on the inside. But I don't think it's that unusual for people to think the same thing outside of prison. Because really, uh, when we say blessed are the poor or the blessed uh, of Beatitudes of Matthew 5, uh, it, it may sound nice, but I don't know if people really believe it. Like when we say blessed are the poor, uh, you know, that may not really be something that rings true. You don't see that on bumper stickers uh, across our, our city with other believers. It's, it's kind of a tough one to understand. And it made sense to prisoners that, hey, the thief is the one that gets, the strong is the one that advances. The violent is the one that advances. And so I think that something may be embedded in our hearts that we think that we have to do certain things to get blessed. And so, and, and maybe cut corners or do something like that. So I found that to be really interesting, his experience when he was in prison. So again, it's not that different. Now, if you have your Bibles, Matthew chapter 5, it talks about that. And so, um, now when he saw the crowds, he went up the mountainside and sat down, and his disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. Now, this is important uh, because when he sat down, that means he's like a rabbi, he's the teacher, and he's going to teach them something that he uh, is really his first big teaching sermon to his disciples. So this is really important. And it says right off the bat, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And I would like to re revisit that. And I'm going to ask you a few questions here in a few seconds. Now, a lot of people say this is the greatest sermon that's ever been uh, preached. And I agree that and because Jesus is preaching it. And, and so... On the outside, it sounds really nice. It sounds happy. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Uh, just the fact that we say blessed, you just think uh, some positive things. But I believe that living the beatitude is going to be tough. And I believe Jesus wants to uh, make that truth to us. And he, makes that, he wants to make that truth to you. Living the beatitudes is not as nice and easy as it looks on paper. Now, the other day, I don't know if you know this, but you probably know this, I had to, I wanted to go get my heart checked uh, with a uh, CAT scan. Uh, you know, as you know, my dad passed away from a heart attack when he was 89, uh, and then um, 87, I can't remember now. And then uh, I have a brother that had open heart surgery, so I thought this would be a good time for me to go get my heart tested. And so I did about two weeks ago, flying colors. They said a heart of a 22-year-old. I don't know if they really said that. But, um, but that's what the, the Beatitudes is. This passage is like a CAT scan of our hearts. And, and God is going to challenge you and me and us to take a scan of our hearts. And he'll do that through these scriptures here. So the thing that I like to write and say here is that the, the Beatitudes, this passage here is about the kingdom of God, the heart of the kingdom of God. This is, if, you know, we sing songs, Lord, I want to know your heart, I want to know your will, you know, I want to, you know, all those things. Well, really, uh, I do find it funny when we sing songs like that because he's already told us, you know, 
uh, we don't have to keep asking. We just maybe do a little reading and, and begin to apply it in our lives. But the Beatitudes is the heart of the kingdom of God. The Beatitude is the heart of the kingdom of God. I don't know. I, I need to say that a lot because I need to remember myself that the Beatitudes is the heart of the kingdom of God. If you want to know about God's heart, you want to know what God uh, brings uh, blessings to and makes him happy uh, and brings him a smile, is read this, this passages. So it all begins with the word blessed. Now, the word blessed doesn't necessarily mean happy. Now, the word happy comes from a Latin word about, it's basically based on chance. And so, and as you know, what makes you happy may not make me happy. And uh, so, for example, uh, my wife and I, we were talking about paint colors, and one color makes her happy, and it doesn't make me happy. And so, a happy really is uh, based on someone's perception of what they like. And this is not what the Bible is talking about. So, the word here really means God's favor or God's smile on those who are poor in spirit. And so that's really important for us to understand. It's not that if you do this, you'll be happy, but God will be happy when we live out his word. And so as his children. And so these are uh, what I would call life-changing words that will challenge you and me. So uh, let's move on. So if you have your Bibles, you can see there in Matthew chapter 5, blessed is the person who begins to understand that God's has a plan for us, a destiny and a purpose, and he wants to live according to that. So it's what God thinks of us. And so uh, I want God to look up with approval in our lives. So I am approved by God. I am blessed when I have, when I have poverty of spirit. So approval of God should be something that we uh, really want to strive for. So I got a question for you guys. And so I'll bring you in. Uh, Tell me something, uh, something that you've done or recently that you feel like, man, God approves of this, of my life or what you're doing to serve the Lord. Well, not too long ago, I was able to um, minister to a friend of mine. And I think she was very blessed by what the Lord revealed through our conversation. So when things like that happen, I feel like I am fulfilling the job or the calling that God has given to me. Okay, so um, let me just unfold that a little bit. So, so what you're saying is that not by my, my own power or by my own understanding or knowledge, but God was using you. And so I, I like that because it's like placing yourself in a posture where God can use you. It's not something that you're offering, but what God is doing through you. That's really neat. Ross, you got something similar or anything like that? I think mine's more of a general, um, you know, answer in the aspect that whenever my flesh um, wants to act out and I choose to, to, to lean on the Holy Spirit. So when things are not going too well at the house or not going too well at work and I want to lash out in uh, frustration and... You know, I take the moment to say, Jesus, help me in this moment. I feel that, you know, I'm being used by him because I'm relying on him and not myself. So good. So you recognize that. And so, yeah. So, and, and you, um, and I would agree, you would think that would bring 
uh, a smile to God's exactly. face. Yes. All right. Well, neat. Uh, one of the things I, I recognize is that um, poor in spirit, sometimes we, when we use that word, word poor, it kind of brings a lot of negative connotations. And so we, we know what it doesn't mean. So we know that it doesn't mean someone who doesn't have financial worth. So you could be poor in spirit and be financially wealthy. Uh, we know that uh, being poor in spirit, we're not talking about someone who, who has no value. So we're not saying somebody who's just a lowly a person who has, has no value in, in the sense like intrinsic value. Uh, it, doesn't mean, it doesn't mean shyness. Sometimes people think I'm just a quiet person or they, it doesn't mean that. Poverty of spirit doesn't mean someone who's shy or, or someone who's just kind of quiet. So we know that's what it doesn't mean. So I think we want to find out what it really means. And I think as we'll get down the road here, I want to show you a picture. It's a, really a posture of understanding who we are and who God is. Uh, so I always find it funny that people who claim to be humble, and if they have to tell me how humble they are, then that's a telltale sign that they're not really humble. And so I like to look at the scripture kind of like someone who's a beggar and he's asking for a loan. Now, I know you probably had to get a loan. I know I've gotten a loan through for my mortgage in my house. And I can't imagine going to the bank and asking for a loan without any collateral. So I, I go to the bank and, you know, you're in real estate. You know, people have to get loans all the time. And one of the things they say is, okay, what are you going to use for collateral? Do you have deposit, down payment? Uh, do you have a job? And... And of course, the other thing they're looking for is, does the house that you want to buy have its own value? So the bank uh, can base the loan on that. Now, poor in spirit is like going to the bank and saying, I have nothing. I don't have a job. I don't have any money. And I don't have any collateral. And so you really don't have anything to offer. And so I think that's where the scripture is really trying to focus on. And Jesus is trying to bring us to understanding that we don't really come with a lot to the table. What allows us to come to the table is God's love, his pursuit of us. We are made in his image. Uh, we are imagers of our God. And so, yes, but I'm still coming to the table with no collateral uh, and maybe with a lot of debt. Now, uh, in my life, in my testimony, uh, I, I, I messed up a lot, and a sinful life, very selfish. So I came to the table with um, lots of bankrupt uh, spirit of mine. And so, so Deanna, I'm going to ask you a question. Tell me uh, maybe a time in your life early on when you were uh, serving the Lord or just, you know, you're, you're a believer, but when you came acutely aware that of your sinfulness and that you needed Jesus. I would say when I was 22, um, I was working at a school that it was in Colombia. It wasn't a Christian school. It was, um, I, I would say it was only another teacher and I, we were the only Christians there. And, um, and I felt like there was a lot of pressure on me because I was a Christian. And I started doubting, is this really my Christianity? Is this really something I want? And I started forgetting all the things that Jesus had done in my life. Right. He had healed me, had done so many things for me. And um, I started doubting. 
And the more I doubted, the more I wanted to get involved with this group of people that wanted to do other things that were not leading me to a Christ-like path. And um, there was a moment where I was at church sitting down and I was like, I don't want any of this. And that moment I remember feeling, wow, I, I need Jesus because... I have fallen so far away from the Lord sure. that I have completely forgotten what everything that he's done for me. Right. And um, that was a moment where I felt that was so far away that I needed the Lord, that I needed to beg him to um, come and rescue me. Sure. And so it's really interesting because in a lot of ways, it's it's like God had given you this gift of his, his relationship and... And we've all done this where it's basically you kind of maybe squandered it a bit, kind of like the prodigal son who had all this and, and decided to uh, throw it away in a sense. And, and really, you know, as you know, in Mosaic Church, we love to say this, that his presence is our reward. And so we kind of just maybe discarded that, his presence. It's really neat. Thank you. Ross, you got something um, that you could share. Tell us a story how you became aware maybe of your brokenness and sinfulness. Yeah, um, like I mentioned earlier, growing up in the church um, and reading the word and being in Sunday school, um, I knew what truth was. And the life I was living in in, um, high school, um, my relationships weren't honoring God. And and I just knew that um, because of what the word of God is truth. And it came to a point where am I going to be living this life or being these relationships? or am I going to choose God? Right. And basically saying, you know, without God, you know, I'm not honoring him. And so um, there was a, a point right before senior year in, in high school where I said, all right, I need you not just to be my fire insurance, so to speak. I want you to be my Lord and Savior right. saying, I need you to lead me. I need to, to follow you with all my heart and all the things that I that I believe here, I need you to, you know, take residence in my heart. And I like that because you're saying I, I needed Jesus. In both your stories, I really needed him. And that's one of the things I, I just want to just move forward is that a lot of times, maybe in our culture, especially Western culture, American culture, we think uh, happiness uh, is how you take uh, life by the horns. You create it. You do something. And again, that's like um, it's this false religion of like somehow we can earn this. And people are, as you know, and, and we fall into that trap where we feel like we can do this on our own. And it isn't until that we feel like, hey, I need this. I need Jesus in my life. And so the Beatitudes is just the opposite of what maybe our culture teaches us. One of the things I like to read is in First and Second Samuel, it says that uh, King David went and sat before the Lord, and, and this is what he said. He said, who am I, O sovereign Lord, and what is my family that you have brought me this far? And so that's really a neat thing. He recognizes who he is and that he's coming to the relationship not with a lot of collateral. Uh, and he says, who am I? Oh, Lord, that you recognize me and my family. And how, how is it that you brought me this far? And Judges says that Gideon says, How can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest of Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. And so even Gideon recognizes, hey, in this relationship, 
I'm, I'm broke, I'm bankrupt. And, and then he's acutely aware of God's goodness and he's acutely aware that he needs God. And he's saying, God, I need you. And I'm just, I can't believe that you would even recognize me. And, but God's going to use them. And as you know, the stories. So what's the, I believe the lesson we can take home from this short homily, hopefully it's a short homily. Um, I think blessings and God's a favor or a smile can come when we call out to Christ and ask for his mercy and his grace. Um, and I, as you know, my story, I showed up in this relationship with Jesus totally bankrupt. I was a, I was a bankrupt, uh, immoral uh, young boy that thought he could take life by the horns, and, and, I, and I realized I didn't. And so even in my, when I was my senior year, I recognized that I, I am a bankrupt person. And so, and I was filled with um, selfishness. And a lot of that is just masked in pride, like somehow I can do it on my own. And I think one of the things I remember saying this uh, back in 2013 when I shared a similar message is, is that self-glorification will damn you. So basically what I'm saying is that if you think you can do it on your own, you're in trouble. Yeah. And you're in trouble if you begin to rely on your own strength. Uh, one of my favorite passages is in Luke 18. It says here, um, verse 9, to some who are confident in their own righteousness and look down on everybody else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself. God, I thank you that I'm not like other people. I'm not like those robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector, pointing to the guy next to him. I fast twice a week and I give tenth of all that I get. And if I know this guy, he probably posted it on Instagram, all the things that he does, and in Facebook. Uh, and that's another thing, you know, one of the things, if we start telling people on Facebook and Instagram all that we're doing for the Lord, um, that's not a good sign. One of the things I like to use as a principle is that if God does something for you, let the whole world know it, you know? God healed my arm, God provided for my family, but if you're doing something for the Lord, just let God know about it. There's no need to let uh, the whole uh, Instagram world, and that's something I have to keep reminding myself. But the story goes on and says, but the tax collector stood at a distance and he could not even look up to heaven. He beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And look what it says in verse 14. And I think this is where we're trying to uh, finish up here. I tell you the truth that this man, rather than the other, went home justified, or I would say blessed, before God. Because everyone who exalts himself will be humbled and he who humbles himself will be exalted. And so I think that's what uh, the very first beatitude is. Blessed are the poor is a spirit or an attitude of humbleness and saying, God, I need you. I can't do this. And, and a person who's humble doesn't compare himself and say, well, at least I'm not like that person. Or, I'm, you know, I'm not as bad as that person. Uh, those, are, those are little signs that, hey, things are out of whack. So. I believe strongly that we never outgrow this. You know, I've been serving the Lord for, I don't know, 30-some years, and I try to remind myself, Lord, I desperately need you. Um, I still come, in a lot of ways, bankrupt. And so 
my only intrinsic value is what God has placed in my, in my life. You know, he's deposited his Holy Spirit in my life and it's a seal and a sign for uh, the future redemption when he comes back and salvation. So we never outgrow this posture. Um, now, what is the reward of this posture? And the answer is, we all get to see in a second. I'm gonna show you a picture online and I'll show it to you guys. This, this lady here, and you've probably seen this in Jordan or in Colombia where I've seen it, um, or in Ecuador. I remember seeing it specifically in Ecuador of this lady that was so, she didn't have anything, she didn't have any pride in a sense like of dignity that she would just cover her face and extend her hand. And we're gonna show you that picture and, uh, and we'll leave it up for a few seconds. I believe that's what this passage is saying. It's saying, Lord, I'm nothing without you. I don't have anything. You know, uh, I, I, I just nothing I can bring. And I just I ask for your help and your grace and, Lord, for your hand. And God smiles on that kind. And if you read the rest of the New Testament, you're going to see the people that have that kind of posture and God smiles upon is that, that posture of humility and grace. And then when you have that posture, we have a tendency to be very forgiving to people because you recognize, hey, they're bankrupt too, like I am. And so uh, you don't have expectations on others that, um, you know, of perfection where God gave you grace and mercy for our lack of perfection. And so there's a song um, I don't know if you know it, Rock of Ages. Have you you know that song? It's an old it's an old hymn. It's um, it's written a long, long time ago, about 1898. And one of the lines in there it says this: "Nothing in my hand I bring." So think of that picture. Nothing in my hand I bring. Simply to the cross I cling. Naked come to Thee for dress. He has nothing to offer. Helpless look to Thee for grace. I'm helpless, and I look to Thee for grace. Foul, I to the fountain fly. I'm, I'm this foul person, and I come to the fountain of grace. And he says, wash me, Savior, or I die. It's a powerful hymn, and I'm praying that maybe uh, you'll listen to it sometime this week. Another famous quote, we're going to end with this, is that uh, A.W. Tozier, you guys are familiar with A.W. Tozier? He, um, I believe it was him. I'm going to give him the credit. It's not my words, all right? When you come to the final judgment and you try to defend yourself, you will have no one else but yourself for your defense. But when you come to the great judgment seat of Christ and you have hidden your life in Christ, you will have no one else but Christ for your defense. And so that is what I believe this passage, uh, blessed are the poor and saying, God, I need you. I need you in my life. I need you in my marriage. I need you as parents. I need you as pastor. I need you as a son. I, I need you, Father. There is um, nothing in me that I can somehow earn God's love, his grace, his mercy. Um, I, I can't do this without him. So the Bible says, blessed are the poor in spirit. And the reward is for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And it's really important for us to understand that. So as you shared your story, we're going to wrap it up here in a second. You know, I pray that we always stay in that mode that, God, I need you. I need you in my relationships. And so 
I'm going to ask uh, Deanna, if you don't mind, we're going to pray. And, and maybe you could do it in Spanish. And so I think if people are really in tune in the spirit, they're going to understand what you say. All right. But just pray that God will help us all to have that attitude, that posture, what I call the posture of grace. And that we would be uh, poor in spirit. And I believe when we do that, God smiles and approves of our, our behavior in our lives. Señor Jesús, gracias por el privilegio de venir juntos, Señor, a escuchar de tu palabra. Gracias por acordarnos hoy, Dios, que lo más importante es que nosotros podamos ser humildes ante tu presencia, Señor. Ayúdanos a que nuestro corazón pueda contristarse y que pueda venir ante ti, Señor, um, sin nada en la mano, sabiendo que tú eres el que nos va a dar todo, Amen. Señor. Te pido, Dios mío, que en este momento seas tú entrando a cada una de las familias y que cada familia pueda reconocer que te necesitan a ti en este momento que en este momento no hay nada alrededor que vale la pena ahorita estamos en casas y solamente tú Señor puedes entrar a nuestra casa y cambiarnos Dios te pido Señor que nos hagas pobres de espíritu Amén. tan pobres Señor que solamente podamos depender de tu mano te pido mi Dios que en tu riqueza pueda Señor usarnos y pueda Señor llenarnos sí. de ti Señor Gracias. ayúdanos Dios a poder tener una actitud Amen. humilde y una actitud de pobre en espíritu Amen. Amen. Amen Thank you Mosaic Church I pray that uh, you take this seriously and that you and I and us we would take this uh, to heart and that we would live this life that uh, bring a smile to God's face and it would bring approval and when we have that, that posture of grace of blessed are the poor in spirit well, thank you, Mosaic Church. I pray God that you uh, pray to God that you're doing well, and I pray that we see each other soon. And I love you, and we love you. And send us uh, a word. Uh, let us know we can pray with you. And uh, Ria is going to give you a brief message here. May the Lord be with you. Also he is risen. He is risen God bless you. We are dismissed. We want to thank you for listening. We pray that you were blessed and encouraged. If you like what you heard today, subscribe to this podcast and listen whenever you like. To find out more about Mosaic Church, please visit www.mosaicchurchtlh.com.